It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are flying high on Locked On Eagles, your daily source for the best Philadelphia Eagles news and analysis. Brought to you by LockedOnEagles.com. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow my work at Inside the Pylon Breaking Football. Follow me on Twitter at Michael J. Kist. As always, I am joined by the best co-host in the game, Mr. Seven Year Streak Without a Bad Day, DJ Frog with Pockets. He is Benjamin Solak of Bleeding Green Nation and NDT Scouting. You can follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K, Ben. How you doing, brother? Oh, every day is a good day to be alive, Mike. I'm I'm excited to get further into this game. There are no all 22 takes today, however, and that's very sad. I do not like having these night games where we don't get the all 22 film on 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 Monday. This is very upsetting to me. Yeah, it's it's been a killer, and as much as it pains us to do so, I want to hit on some things about the loss to the Seahawks. Unfortunately, like you said, the all 22 wasn't out when I checked today. Obviously, it's not out right now, so I'm reserving judgment on some things. Uh, there are a few things I saw. I, I, what I can definitively say is that the Eagles' 10-game streak of 100 rushing yards was broken, sadly. They only amassed mm. 98. It was our second lowest total of the season, 3.76 yards per carry on the ground, and you definitely got the sense that the team was pressing a bit in the second half. Only five runs by running backs in that half. Two runs by once for a total of seven. Ben, I get game scripts, and I hate nitpicking play calling in general because there's so much that we aren't privy to, and quite frankly, we aren't qualified, or at least I'm decidedly not qualified. But what I do want to talk about is us possibly getting away from the philosophy in general that has gotten us here, and something that I hope isn't a trend moving forward when we get down in games. For instance, we go down 13-10, to 10, to the Chiefs late in the third, back in week two, we have four drives after that and run the ball a total of five times with three of those coming from Wentz. You know, you can take out the second to last drive due to game script situation, all that stuff, because we were pressing to score points and it's still only two runs from running backs in 17 plays. Go back even further and include the whole half. It's five runs from running backs in the second half that game. With that said, with how the game went against the Seahawks, do you feel like the Eagles tend to throw the baby out with the bathwater? In regards to the pass run ratio in the second half, is that something that you're concerned about as well? Right. I remember we talked about this uh, after the Chiefs game specifically, saying that, you know, this was something about which we were worried. We didn't want this to be a common theme. Uh, 2016, Doug's first year, in my experience at least, had a lot of that where he kind of moved away from the running game early and he was a lot more willing to just kind of throw the ball and everything. Uh, After that Chiefs game, you get on a winning streak, you stop talking about it. And obviously, the Eagles, I think, had a much better balance going forward, which is very much often the case when you're winning. Obviously, it's very easy to maintain a run pass ratio when you're in the lead when you're in control of the game and so a lot of it you know has to be situational I think also it really reveals the extent to which this is Carson Wentz's offense and this is Carson Wentz's team as we talked about in the Monday show he was out of rhythm 
in the first half. He missed a couple of throws, you know, uh, some bad plays. And, and he came out in that second half, and that, that opening drive that they had, I believe it was about 11 plays long, that drive, yeah, the fumble. And they only ran right. the ball three times on that drive and it threw mm-hmm. it another eight times. Now, Carson Wentz had a scramble in there, right? But eight called pass plays to three called run plays. Very clearly, the hope there is to get Carson into a rhythm, to get the offense moving, pick up a couple of first downs, right? You got That was a fantastic drive. Should have been a touchdown drive. So they come out in the very next drive, six straight passes. Right. Mm. Very, very clear that, you know, at that point, you know, you're not even halfway through the third quarter yet for those drives. You absolutely can run the football. There's no, you know, it's, I don't think it's a, it's a fear of the clock whatsoever. I don't think it's even, you know, uh, I don't want to run the ball. I don't think running the ball is effective. Like you said, we break that 100-yard streak, but we ran for 98 yards. We ran the ball well. You know, Picking up 98 yards is a perfectly reasonable, respectable number. I think it's about the fact that this offense, uh, as we kind of saw against Seattle, really struggles to stay afloat if Carson's not you know, clicking on all cylinders. And obviously, you know, that sounds a little bit uh, obvious to say, you know, like, no, duh, you know, the quarterback's not clicking and the offense isn't playing well, sure. It's just, it's a, it's a specific thing to note, in my opinion, for a young second-year quarterback like Carson Wentz, especially one who comes from the background from which he comes, FCS program, you know, he doesn't have all that starting experience, he wasn't a four-year guy in high school or whatever, so he's going to have these games where he's just rough, you know, he's always he's going to be rough around the edges for the next couple of years, most likely, you know, that's kind of the reality there. And so on those games, I think, Doug Peterson and his coaching staff recognize we have to do everything possible to get Carson moving and get him back in this game and get him playing well. Otherwise, you know, it, we don't have a shot of winning because he's just he's he's that integral to the offense. Yeah, and it's something to take a deeper look into because we run so many run pass options that maybe I'm being unfair to Peterson here. Maybe there were plays that. Of course, that's a great point. That's a great point. That, that, I didn't think about that. It's awesome. Yeah, so that's something I want to take a look at when the all 22 drops. So like I said, I'm re- reserving judgment on a lot of these things, but that is something that I do want to look at more more in depth because like you said, with once being a second year quarterback, Doug Peterson is also a second year head coach and that's mm-hmm. a tendency that I, that I hope that it doesn't last. I, I was talking with you about this earlier today. I was just going through uh, the Pro Football Focus signature stats. Remember, rate, review, leave your Twitter handle in the review, give us five stars, we will register you to win a free PFF Edge subscription worth $40. Make sure you do that. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, so Wentz was pressured on 29 of 50 of his dropbacks. That was the highest percentage. Yeah, 58%. Highest percentage all week. Now, in those dropbacks, 14 for 26, 217, one touchdown, no interceptions, sacked three times, and it was the seventh lowest sack percentage as well. It was right right around 10%. So he actually, those three sacks might sound like a lot, but compared to how much he was pressured... Three is a pretty reasonable number, in my opinion. (laughs) Right. So, okay. And then you look at his quarterback rating there was 94.6. Coming into the game under pressure, and this is just on snaps that PFF says there was a pressure on this snap. So it's obviously up to, you know, the opinion of whoever's charting it. But, I mean, either way, we, Mm -hmm. we could tell that he was under a lot of pressure just from the eye test and we'll get more into the tape and whatnot but coming into the game he had a quarterback rating of 81.6 under pressure as a rookie he had a 34 quarterback rating in 2016 under that's pressure. not good 
Yeah. What what what's what's the number for when you just like if you just spike the ball into the ground on every pass? It's like thirty some. It's around yeah. thirty, I think it is. <laughs> so that's 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 uh, that'd be less than ideal there, Mike. And then they also have for for all the other dropbacks. So twenty nine out of fifty pressured. The other dropbacks, the the other twenty one kept clean. He was fifteen of nineteen, one thirty one, zero touchdowns, one interception. He had a seventy three point five quarterback rating. So he was substantially better under pressure in this game. So and I know we talked about him having some up and downs, but that is one heck of a performance for being under fire all night and I did not expect to see those stats when I when I looked it up today I was just kind of randomly doing it so mm-hmm. and you asked this is this a case of where Carson might end up being in that Russell Wilson category of better passer outside of the pocket than inside of it? Yeah, and and you you saw it last night with with Wilson. That was a really great, in my opinion, case study on how Wilson looks as a quarterback when he's playing very very well. Right, obviously he had a great game, MVP caliber game against the Eagles. You know, if you want to see bad Wilson, then you can go watch some of the other games in which the Seahawks have like four field goals and that's it. And you'll see how sometimes it isn't that. You know, Wilson doesn't succeed that much under pressure, but Wilson has always been from the memories I have of him at Wisconsin NC State has always been a player who is just more effective outside of the pocket than he is inside the pocket. She's not a very comfortable guy inside of the pocket passing the football breaks pockets too easily. This is the reality stuff that he does part of the reason why he was drafted in the third round along with being a pretty short dude. You know this he's not very comfortable in the pocket. Now when he's outside the pocket he's straight magical and as we know Mm -hmm. Carson Wentz has those magical moments outside of the pocket as well. Now Carson's shown that he can pass from the pocket just fine. You know he's done an excellent job executing Doug Peterson's scheme but as we saw against Seattle you know he really really I think in my opinion had you know those pressure stats I think he had a much better game outside of the pocket than he did he Mm. did inside of the pocket and as I alluded to on the Monday show one of the uh one of the flaws on Carson Wentz's resume one of the weaknesses in his game is his ability to kind of make slow you know subtle movements inside of the pocket to avoid pressure and to extend his time to throw while remaining in the pocket he doesn't like to do Mm. that he'd rather just break it just get outside nobody around him direct traffic point guys around and so we may see a, a career arc for Carson. And as I've always said, that Ben Roethlisberger comp always bothers me a little bit because Roethlisberger is a, is a pocket dude. He likes to throw from the pocket, right? He can break, but he likes to be in the pocket and he can make throws from the pocket. I think we may, there's there's a very real career arc for Carson where he becomes just a quarterback who is naturally more effective outside of the pocket on the move. Right. And I was calling for rollouts last night because right. of it. I think I think we could very well see that. And though these pressure stats help to reveal kind of that tendency, in my opinion. Very, very good points. Okay, let's do something else positive here since there were some po- solid performances in this game. Uh, I want to give out a game ball again this week, Ben. So let's hand one out. I'll go first, if you don't okay. mind. Uh, I'm going to hand it out to Nelson... Aguilar. He was targeted 12 times for seven catches, 141 yards, and a touchdown. He had a drive in the third quarter that transitioned into the fourth where he had 78 yards on two catches, one for 51 yards that sparked the drive after once took a sack from Justin Coleman, which was big on third and 13, which by the way, good job on that sack from the Seahawks disguising the blitz with the safety was capping Coleman, but he had enough of an inside shade to where nobody really alerted that Coleman was coming in hot. So we missed that one. That was something that we nailed against the Bears the previous week on Nelly's touchdown where the safety was capped and Nelly was like, yo, this is a blitz, this is a blitz. And we were able to get into that bubble and score a touchdown. So the Seahawks put a little wrinkle in there and, and played with the shading and, and, it, and it fooled us. But anyway, the next play, Nelly goes for 51 on third and 13. That crazy player where Wentz extended the play, rolled out to his right. He was able to make an insane throw and Nelly got behind a guy, followed up by Nelly coming through in the clutch on third and 14th for a 27-yard touchdown catch that pulled the Eagles within one score. His emergence has been fantastic to watch. 
I, I couldn't be happier for the guy. And I, I wrote about him a few weeks ago for LockedOnEagles.com. Uh, the article was called uh, The Nelson Also Rises. So go check that out. A little <laughs> nod to Ernest Hemingway. You like that. Yeah. Okay. So Ben, who do, who do you got as your game ball? I, I mean, I think Nelly is undisputably the game ball receiver, but to go for a different direction for you, I think I'm going to give it to Brandon Graham. Uh, Brandon Graham, who goes nice. ahead, uh, five total tackles, four of them solo, which is a, that's a great ratio. And then uh, one and a half sacks, two and a half tackles for loss on a day where so many different defenders were getting close but not quite getting there. Brandon mm. Graham was the finisher, right? Hey, I'll, I'll, get, I'll, give it, I'll give it to you this way. If you had to guess Vinny Curry's stats for the game right now, what would you guess they were? Oh, jeez, man. No looking, no peeking. I, I, I'm not looking at anything. Uh, Vinny Curry seemed like a fairly big non-factor to me. They were running up the middle. They were getting on the edges in the, in the read option game when Wilson kept it. I don't know, four four tackles? Yeah, Vinny Curry had one tackle and Jeez. nothing else. Right. I was but trying to give him credit. <laughs> right. You saw, you saw, but you saw Vinny Curry like in the backfield. You saw him causing pressure. You saw him attacking. You saw him breaking and, and getting and putting pressure on Russ. One tackle, right? Like uh, that, that just kind of illustrates Fletcher Cox, two tackles, nothing else. Timmy Jernigan, two tackles, nothing else. Derek Barnett, uh, one total tackle, half of a saw, half of a sack and half of a TFL. So that was, you know, Derek Barnett. That's literally his one tackle right there, right? Chris Long, two tackles, nothing else. So that defensive line, which had a huge impact on the game, unquestionably, it doesn't sto- show up in the stat sheet for anybody but Brandon Graham, right? Brandon Graham now, uh, past five weeks, he's got four and a half sacks. He's got a sack in four of his last five games. So he's really been coming on as of late. It was a little bit touch and go there in the beginning of the season. And at this point now, uh, you know, so far in... What year is this? 2017. In 2017, uh, eight and a half sacks for Brandon Graham. That's his career best. So he's playing to his numbers. You've heard that he could potentially be extended. And he was the defensive player who had the biggest impact uh, against the Seahawks. And, you know, he was able to get home far more often than anybody else. So my game ball is going to go into Brandon Graham. Very nice. And that's something that we can touch on real quick, too. I want to put this out there because there was the article from Pro Football Talk saying that Howie was trying to get a deal done with Brandon Graham. And Brandon Graham was, quote, unquote, resisting. Brandon Graham is signed to this team through 2018. So mm-hmm. everyone calm down. Uh, as secondly, it's a pretty smart move by Brandon Graham not letting Howie preempt the market with him when he's already signed through next year as well. So a smart business move by him. And if you want to criticize him for not being a, uh, uh, not taking a team-friendly deal or whatever, he took a team-friendly deal when he incentivized his contract and decided, I'll, you know what, I'll show you and I'll get paid for all these sacks and everybody will win. So let's take it easy on calling out Brandon Graham for not wanting to extend yet. There's two sides to this. Anyway, that's my that's my little note on that. Strong agree. Very interesting. Uh, Brandon Graham, Nigel Bradham, figuring out who's going to get that money. If they don't re-sign Nigel, yeah. your boy will be upset. Yeah, and we will definitely be looking at linebacker in the draft. Speaking of which, let's mm-hmm. kick it over to our, our Pick a Prospect segment. All right, so Pick a Prospect, if you haven't heard of it before and you're a new listener, every week or every other week, me and Ben highlight a player that the Eagles might be targeting in the NFL draft this year. So let's see. I'm going to go with, you know, Halapuli Vativaitai really struggled. And we've talked about him being pretty much a backup. So yeah. I'm going to, I want to discuss someone. This isn't someone I think the Eagles might be targeting, but this is someone I watched the other day and I asked you about him and I want to, I want to have a discussion about him because yeah. you've watched him. So I'm going to, I'm going to bring up Chuck Wuma Okorafor from. Nailed it, dude. What, 
<laughs> nice. Thank you. Uh, from Western Michigan. He played on the other side of Taylor Moten when they were, I believe, the runner up for the Joe Moore Offensive Line Award in college last year. He caught my eye then. A real big dude, 6'5, 330. Probably has arms that are 35 inches or, or more that from what it looks like. My issue with him. Okay, he's got quick feet, which is fantastic. I like his feet for a big man. He just tends to his hands get a little bit late. He's not as violent as I would like him to be for his size. And I think he fits more of a man run scheme than he does a zone run scheme, which is what the Eagles uh, primarily run for the most part. What did you see from him that talks to his fit with the Eagles? Am I right with those concerns that he may not fit a zone running scheme? Yeah, Chukwa, who I don't know if that's what they actually call him, but I want to call him Chukwa because I think it's a lot of fun. <laughs> but a core four, good football player, violent football player, exciting football player, incredibly powerful. If you, if you, you know, we'll talk a lot about. Uh, in offensive line prospects and in defensive line prospects, coiling and uncoiling the hips, generating power from the ground up. If you want to like figure out what that looks like, go put on some Acorafor tape because the dude's a spring at 330 pounds. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. He gets underneath you, he's going to explode through you. Very, he's a people mover. And that'll fit in both schemes. You get a guy who can move people the way Acorafor can, you can fit that in both schemes. But the he, the fact of the matter is, yeah, he's a good mover for his size and, and you can then you can pull him if you need to, uh, you know, tackle power sort of looks in a man blocking scheme. But in a zone scheme, you know, especially for a tackle, that's a guy who, you know, you've seen those clips of Jason Peters knocking down defensive backs eight yards down the field on outside mm. zone concepts. That's special. Remember, Jason Peters used to be a tight end at Arkansas. He's got great movement skills. It's a very tough ask. You know, a lot of, you know, think about Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson, I, right. I don't know his weight off the top of my head, but he's around, I would say, 305, 310. Right, I actually did this with when Kelvin Benjamin got traded. I went to mockdraftable.com. I converted Lane Johnson to a cornerback, and I put yeah. his spider his spider web next to Kelvin Benjamin, and it looked like a pretty even matchup, brother. So he's yeah. a, definitely an athletic tackle. Right, Lane, Lane's an unbelievable athlete. I just looked it up. Three ten is the number Google's given me. Trukwuma Corfu is about 20, 25 pounds heavier. It's a yeah. lot of mass to be carrying, folks. And so you know, I w- I think you could pull off a zone blocking play with him in a zone blocking scheme where you ask him to do that very very consistently i would be worried about conditioning and then about just play to play consistency and execution you know so i would definitely you know, if the eagles draft him the eagles play a mix of zone and man they could pull it off right. but i definitely do think they'll be looking for more lighter bodies and the guys with better movement skills than chokwo but good football player a lot of fun yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. And that is a guy that we, we would be looking at at the end of the first round, along with uh, Rankins from Mississippi State. So that's kind of the area that I wanted to target for offensive tackle. I like Okorafor. I thought he had some misses on the second level when I watched his tape. I thought he had some issues with his hands. Uh, you can watch his, watch his Wisconsin game from 2016 with him against TJ Watt, who's a darn mm-hmm. good football player. And uh, TJ Watt kind of ate his sandwich a little bit. I saw a little bit more from him in 2017 technique-wise, but you know, there's there's that concern as well. Ben, who do you got? Yeah, Okorafor was like a 100- hundred pounds heavier than Watt in that matchup or something. <laughs> it was just funny. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Matt Miller, Bleacher Report, you know, at NFL Draft Scout on Twitter, one of the leading guys in the draft business, dropped an article oh, today. Well 
Yeah, I'm talking Roquan Smith. Dropped an article today, uh, one draft prospect that's so far been tied to every single team. You know, he talks to people, he's got inside information. Very surprised to see the name that was there for Philadelphia. So I want to talk about him. If you read this article, go read it and you'll see this guy. Roquan Smith, a junior linebacker out of Georgia. Reason I was surprised is because I don't think Roquan's going to be around pick 31, folks. He's a very talented young football player. A lot to like about Roquan Smith. Now, you know, I've talked with a couple people about how I don't think linebacker is as big of a need to make it a round one selection potentially instead of offensive tackle, which in my opinion is a much more valuable position, a much more bigger position of need. And so I still think offensive tackle is the direction. However, if you're going linebacker round one, the first dude on your list is Roquan Smith. Uh, I've been working on like comp for him as of right now. I like Telvin Smith and not Telvin Smith when he came out of university, but Telvin Smith right now in the NFL. Telvin Smith came out about 215. He was six foot three, right? Now Roquan Smith is 6'1", listed at 225. I'm going to say he's 230, 232, something like that, all right? Mm. So th- there's a size differential there, but Telvin is definitely a little bit more yoked up now that he's in the NFL. And, and Roquan Smith, a little bit undersized, right? 6'1", six 6'0", foot six foot, but they you, you put their tape next to each other. These are some of the best gap shooters you've ever seen. You know, they see it develop incredibly quickly. They already know the way your offensive line is moving from step one, step two, and then they've got that reactionary quickness, that split second reflex to go take a gap before you can get your blocker in it. All of a sudden brothers in the backfield before the quarterbacks got the ball to the the halfback Mm. it's a special skill right Reuben Foster had this this skill as well he had a real knack for that Reuben Foster in my opinion a bit more linear of an athlete not as great in space moving laterally and then he was a bit more of a thumper which would give him more of like a Ryan Shazier CJ Mosley comp the ones that you heard when when Foster came out whereas Telvin Smith and Roquan are much much more finesse players much more quick in my opinion and so I I, I like that comp for him if you want to understand how Roquan Smith plays again I think Roquan will be a top 20 selection do not anticipate him falling to Philadelphia. Very interesting to hear, however, that the Eagles are tied to clear round one linebacker prospects. They're doing their homework. You've got Nigel, Michael, and Jordan all with uncertain futures in Philadelphia over the next two years. So it's cool to see them doing their homework on linebacker prospects. So let's bring up let's bring up some more names that we could be talking talking about in that area because I don't think Roquan Smith is going to be there as well. Do you think there's a chance right now? I mean it's it's the the process is long and the NFL draft is decadent depraved, but do you think Rashawn Evans from Alabama Alabama could be there. It, uh, it's very interesting. Rashawn Evans may be. Rashawn Evans is a very interesting eval for me. Folks love him. I find him very, very, uh, you know, they, they love watching his tape. I have a little bit more pause with Evans than most people do. Uh, athlete, athlete playing linebacker. Incredibly talented, skilled, gifted human being. One of the best pass rushers from linebacker I've ever seen. So physical, so dominant. You wonder about his instincts, though. You wonder if he's just a truck who just drives around the field and takes people out. Because sometimes you find him outside of position. He's got a, a buddy, a teammate, Sean Dion Hamilton, who went out with injury. But Hamilton mm. may still declare because he's a senior, I believe. Much more instinctual. Uh, much, much, much truer to his keys. You know, makes better decisions, in my opinion. Not the physical freak that he is. Watching Evans through the draft process is going to be very interesting. I'm not deep into his tape, so it's not a solidified take. But I'm not, you know, Roquan's clear one for me. Evans is back there. Only other names that you could really think of. Jerome Baker is a guy, Ohio State. Very undersized. Uh, He gets bullied around. He had good 2016 tape, but 2017, not as strong. Uh, You know, he gets moved around too easily. He's a small dude, but he's great in coverage. You know, he's a good mover. And then Malik Jefferson uh, reported that he potentially declared out of Texas. Not sure on that one yet. He's a junior. 246-2. Guy's an 
athletic freak, one of the best athletes I've ever seen at the linebacker position scouting, bar none, but he is not great between the ears. He's just not certain about his keys yet. He's not a heady player. He's very linear, and so he's another really interesting one. A team might take a take a, a flyer on him at the end of the first because of the athletic potential, but I'm not sold on the on-field product. Those are the only names I can think of at linebacker. Gotcha. What about Tremaine Edmonds from Virginia Tech? Have you checked him out uh, at all? And Tremaine Edmonds. Tremaine Edmonds, very good player. <laughs> Edmonds, is, Edmonds is an interesting one. He's very young. Uh, he's 20, and I, I'm not positive that he's coming out. And so I haven't gone deep into his tape whatsoever, but he's, he's a very interesting talent. Edmonds, huge. He's like 6'3 six, six, or something. 6'5 six, is what he's listed at. <laughs> That's 10 types of silly. 6'5 linebacker. You know, you're talking about how you cover tight ends, right? Well, you get you get yourself a 6'5 linebacker who has movement skills like Tremaine Edmonds. You've solved your problem. And his father was an NFL All-Pro tight end in 1989. Teams always love the NFL bloodline, so he's got very that true. going for him. All right. Ben, I'm working right now with a Locked On Rams reached out, and uh, we're going to try to get them scheduled up. That might end up being a Thursday show, so right. keep an eye out for that. We will let you know on Twitter. Remember, at Locked On Eagles is live. Go follow them on Twitter. It is a follow back account, so if you want a free follow, go follow Locked On Eagles, plus get all your Eagles news and analysis. Know when podcasts drop, participate in polls, yell at us, whatever you want to do. Ben, do you have anything else for the gentle, gentle listeners? Well, I mean, yeah, just pay attention to the schedule because if it's Thursday, then we got to shake things around a little bit. But yeah, keep it locked on here. <laughs> I mean, usually I do the schedule, but you already did the schedule, man. Just keep it locked on. Job. <laughs> keep it locked on here on Locked On Eagles. Fly, Eagles, Cut-caw. fly. <laughs> Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.